Welcome to the Richmond Charm Voices podcast. The Richmond Charm Voices podcast will take a deep dive into hot HR topics by interviewing local executives and thought leaders who will share their journey, experience, insight, and lessons learned along the way. Subscribe and join us as we navigate human capital issues shaping today and tomorrow's ways of work here in the Commonwealth. Brought to you by Greater Richmond Society of Human Resource Management, the number one resource for all things HR. Hosted by Tiffany Fortune and Gray Martin. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Melvin Smith Jr., Chief Diversity Officer with Genworth and Committee Chair for Richmond Sherm Radar, which is Richmond Area Diversity Roundtable. As Chief Diversity Officer, Mel leads and coordinates efforts to create and sustain a diverse, inclusive, and welcoming environment for all of Genworth's stakeholders. Mel's goal is to make diversity and inclusion Genworth's way of doing business. His vision is to advance our culture of belonging where open hearts and minds combine to unleash the potential of the brilliant mix of people in every corner of Genworth. You didn't go small with your vision, did you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I took a big step. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Again, it's so great to have you as a part of our show and of all things to be the first guest for our first episode for Richmond Sherm. So we are so excited to talk to you this afternoon and we have a lot to cover with you in a short amount of time. So I just want to go ahead and just dive right in. One of the things that really appealed to me about your background is you've been in diversity and inclusion for some time now prior to your role at Genworth and been part of the DEI world before DEI became, um, I guess, attractive, before it was uh, a a role in which people were seeking and and seeking out for talent. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Yeah, sure. I've formerly been in this role at Genworth for three years. So been doing it a little while prior to all the all the social unrest and thing that's going on. Genworth had started their journey a little earlier. Um, but as, as my journey, the entire journey is is I've been in it for a very long time. Um, I'm I'm a, I'm a native New Yorker, born in New York City, raised in New York City. If you know anything about New York, it is the melting pot, true melting pot. Wow. So just being immersed in diversity, um, working on several projects throughout my life, all the way from the Leave No Child Behind initiative with David Dinkins to working with African-Americans and Latinos, fighting for resources in New York, working with Teenage um, the Teenage Service Act with pregnant young ladies in junior high school and high school, working with Moedete, which is a Latin women's movement, Sister Circle, which is African women's movement, just been in the fight for a very long time. This makes up most of my journey. And people always ask me about, well, Mel, what is your role at, at Genworth? And I always tell them it's, it's, it's super simple. I just want to make Genworth a diverse and inclusive place to work, period. And they're like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. But the steps are complicated. And, you know, the initiatives and the plans are all all really difficult to do. But at the bottom line, at the end of the day, I just want to make Genworth a diverse and inclusive place to work. Our hiring is diverse and inclusive. Our development is diverse and inclusive. Our exposure, who we expose, opportunities we give to people. You mentioned, or we mentioned as part of your bio that you also chair um, the Radar Committee for Richmond Sherm. Can you tell us a little bit about Radar? Yes, Radar, I'm I'm super excited to be on that. Uh, It's actually, I'm not going to take all the credit. We have a great group of people that help us. Um, Radar is 
uh, sponsored by Richmond Sherm and various businesses throughout the Richmond community and surrounding. We meet uh, monthly to talk about one DNI things, things that are hot in DNI. We share best practices. We problem solve. We think tank. Um, it's a great place for new organizations that don't have a DNI office to come and get ideas. Um, it's a great place for for HR people to learn more about DNI because you're sitting in a room with the SunTrusts and the Wells Fargo's and the Altrias all working on diversity, inclusion, and practice sharing. Um, the mission is to create an environment that ignites learning, awareness, and engages cultures, organizations, and communities. Uh, and we do all this through thought leadership, uh, connections, networking, education, and relative initiatives. Um, you get to learn so much about what your peers are doing, and you get to learn a whole bunch about what's going on in the world of DEI. So Radar has hosted several virtual events. You had the Diversity Inclusion Symposium. And I think I think even with all of the shifts and all, everything else was going on, you had 260 participants, which is great. You have the Creating Allies Initiative. What, what other things are on the horizon for Radar in, in 2021? Um, in 2021, we want to move beyond the first dimensions of DNI, right? We we in 2020 we tackled the unconscious biases, the microaggressions, you know, the DEI 101. For 2021, our focus is going to be to move beyond that. We're going to start to talk about deeper topics in DNI. We want to begin to pull in other dimensions and spotlight, like mental illness and the neuroscience of bias and and microaggressions on a deeper level. We want to look at things that are are like the unseen disabilities, things that people don't think about when you hear the word diversity, when you hear the words diversity and inclusion. So all DNI is going to be that deeper dig. Um, while wearing multiple hats. I feel like a diversity officer and an HR practitioner, but mostly you as a diversity officer, um, you're expected to be a therapist, an advocate, a coach, advisor, educator. And at the same time, you're expected to, to really tackle all of these issues at one time. Um, how are you navigating this situation, the changing waters? And is there any type of recommendation that you can kind of put out there to other people in your role I always say I'd rather be late than wrong. So at the height of all this turbulence, we say, let's slow down and, and figure out what we want to do. So we turn to the people at GenWorth that were being affected most. Um, we asked our African-American ERG leaders, what would you like to see happen? What would you like GenWorth to look like? What do you want me to do as your DNI officer? Um, what would you like me to say? What would you like me to not say, right? And how can GenWorth help? And they were candid. They were like, look, this is what we want you to do. Stop asking us for the answers. Um, do your homework. Don't just check a box. Don't have GenWorth just check a box. Provide some training, um, provide some education. And they told me, Mel, put your money where your mouth is. Like, don't just say that you're going to do something, sponsor something. Um, also, they wanted to hear from our C-suite. They wanted to hear what our execs were doing in this time. And they wanted to talk and hear from the employees. So they wanted some dialogue. So there was my marching orders right there. I didn't have to create this grand plan. I just talked to the people who were being affected. They told me what was what I needed to do. And we put that into, into a project plan and we were very successful 
at one, getting the message out that Genworth is truly a diverse and inclusive place, that we support things like Black Lives Matter, we support equal rights, we support equal pay, we support everything equal across the board, that's gender, veterans, mental illness, blind, anything, we support it. So what I'm, what my advice is to organizations is listen to your people. They'll tell you what's wrong and you can start from there and they'll, they'll direct you in, in, the, in the way you need to go. For individuals that are maybe coming out of college and going new into the role, one of the things that I think you and I had chatted about is that we've seen a lot of companies just saying, oh, great, Tiffany, you've been in HR for X, you know, 10 years. How about you come and run diversity, diversity team for us? Yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> that that's, that's like putting a football player to be a firefighter, right? Just because I have a uniform on doesn't mean I know how to fight fires. Um, so let me, let me take it in two parts. One for a person coming into this role, a new person, uh, what I would suggest you do is you really have to find out about your organization. You got to find out the ugly truth and the nice truth, right? There's, there's some things about our organization that we all need to change. You need to find that out. Um, you need to let data be your guide. I can't move without my data analysts. Um, she keeps me true. Uh, she actually tells me what gen work really looks like. I mean, I could walk around, I could do an engagement survey, but the data tells me how many African-American men were hired, how many African-American women, how many Native American women were promoted. The data keeps me honest. I use the data to craft a plan um, and we meet with the data analysts. So that's, that's one of the biggest things you need to do in this field is to know the data. The data is the truth, right? Talk to the people, which is another one. Talk to the people you're trying to help. Talk to the C-suite, find out what they think about it. Talk to African-Americans, Latinos, Native Americans. Talk to the people in your organization. Um, find out what they want. They'll tell you. <laughs> the C-suite will tell you. The execs will tell you. And talk to the customers, Customers will tell you, we think this organization is great, or we think you guys need to put out more products for women, or you need to put out more products for people that are have disabilities, or you need to focus more on veteran services. Um, the customers will tell you. Uh, another thing you need to do is get a maturity model, and that'll tell you where you are and where you need to go. I like to... I. I partnered with an organization and we crafted an amazing, amazing maturity model. And I have to be completely transparent. We're not where we, we're not where we need to be. We have a lot of growing to do. Um, so use your maturity model as a guide and then develop goals, but make sure your goals are smart, you know, make sure that they're, they're, they're sustainable, they're measurable, you know, they're related, time related, make sure your goals are true or real and that you can actually do them. Mm -hmm. Not like I'm going to have a completely African-American board. That's impossible to do. There's term limits on our board. People have to interview. It's just something you can't do, right? It's just impossible. Mm -hmm. um, learn, train, familiar, familiarize yourself with a lot of stuff. Uh, unconscious bias, microaggressions, allies, discrimination, emotional intelligence, history, Title IX, civil rights, affirmative action, executive orders, uh, ADA, uh, books you need to read. There's tons of books. Uh, my favorite book right now is one from Robin D'Angelo, White Fragility. I love that book. And I always tell people to read it. It's a great book. And then also you need to get certified. There's SHRM certifications. Um, there's Cornell has a certification in BNI. 
Georgetown has one. Yale has one. Um, so get certified. Give managers and hiring managers and execs. Um, everyone of color is not a DNI expert. Uh, and I have a LinkedIn post that I got from the New York Times that talks about that. And it says in that in that in that article, when corporations try to belatedly address issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion, they often drop the responsibility on their few, few black employees. Um, don't do that. Mm-hmm. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, look for true experience, true credentials. Corporate America is just getting into DNI, so it's it's going to be kind of hard to find people that are really really seasoned. I always caution myself when someone says, I've been in DNI for 20 years. I'm like, wait a minute, DNI as a career hasn't been around that long. <laughs> so find people that have true experience and true credentials. Um, ask them questions like, tell me about a DNI initiative that you've led, right? Um, what's the hardest thing about being a DNI practitioner? Ask questions that'll, that'll talk to, to experience and credentials. Um, Use a reputable recruiting firm. Right now, everyone wants to be a recruiter for DNI because it's the hot topic. Find a reputable firm if you're going to mm-hmm. work for the firm. Um, and I was I was on a post. Someone I'm, I'm being recruited a lot, so someone recruited me, and there was another person that was being recruited. And the first question out of her mouth was, "Can I work from home?" And I said, "No, you cannot work from home as a DNI practitioner." Uh, this is my bias here. You have to be in the office. You have to walk around. You have to see what people are doing with people. You have to be available for people to talk to. You have to be approachable. You have to be in the office. <laughs> this job is about pulling people together, and it's in, extremely difficult to do virtually. As hiring a person to come into your organization and be a representative of DNI, that person has to be visible. You have to see that person, um, and that person has to talk to people. We get more people in my office just popping in because they just thought of something and they want to walk into my office and ask me. I get more people that way than than scheduling interviews or things like that. And I get a lot of rich feedback um, from people walking by. What do you think has been the, the biggest contributor to your employees feeling free to come by and say, hey, can I chat with you about this? I try not to be the exec, like, you know, the model exec who walks around, you barely see them, you know, they're not in the cafeteria. They're not, they don't come to the events. Um, I try to be very visible and I'm, I try to be very approachable. I'll walk up to a person's desk that I don't know. And I'll introduce myself. I'll interrupt staff meetings. <laughs> I'll go in a staff meeting. If I see a staff meeting, I'm knocking on the door. I'm like, Hey, what are you guys talking about? What, what, what department is this? What do you guys do? So I, and I think that has gotten around to people that I'm, I'm easily approachable. And I think um, people have taken advantage of it. Cause I, like I said, I do get a lot of people popping in. I'd like to take us kind of maybe down a, a different road. Cause we, we started uh, the conversation saying that, you know, 2020 on the heels of, of, of the me too movement, everything that has happened and transpired in 2020 to put such an emphasis on um, racial inequality. Do you ever, are you ever concerned about the, about companies, about teams that are just jumping on the bandwagon and, and not truly committed to DNI, DNI? Yeah, I think it's going to give our profession a bad name. Um, I, and, and, and it'll, it'll backfire on them because you're going to lose valuable people in your organization when they see that you're just checking the box. Um, we call it blackwash. 
<laughs> when you're just doing things just because you want to get it done and say you've done it. Uh, we don't want that because I think that people that you're trying to help are going to see through it and they're going to say this organization is either fake or phony or you're going to create some uh, separation amongst the employees and you definitely don't want to do that, right? Um, so it, I think it's 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 a horrible thing to do when you just check a box or you just throw money at like Black Lives Matter. Let's just donate $200,000 and never never speak of it again. I mean, that's in, that, that's not how we do DNI is a long journey. Um, everything in this, this field has taken a long time. It's taken us a long time to get where we are now. 2020 has put a spotlight on a lot of things and it, it's helped in a great deal. I know it's been ugly, but it's, it's out of the concrete grows a rose. There's a lot of good things that are coming uh, because of the spotlight. Um, and I think some organizations are really starting to learn that they need to do a better job at this. And, and something that's really interesting also is when we're, when we're hiring or we're recruiting young people, they ask that question. They say, Mel, what, tell me about your ERGs or tell me about your DNI strategy or how long have you done that? So your company, if you haven't, if you're not sincere about it, you may lose great new candidates because they, people are doing their research. That kind of goes back to what you were saying. If you do want to be responsive in this day and age and not look insincere and not look like you're checking the box, and you really do have to start out slow, talk to your employees, talk to your stakeholders, start building really the, the, the vocabulary, the language, um, the mission, the vision from the ground up so that it, it actually has legs, right? That, that it, it really will affect change. And it possibly too, by doing that, that, that slow and methodical, you may be able to avoid this, this idea of, of diversity fatigue. It's like survey fatigue. If you keep sending out surveys, no one's going to want to do them. So it's the same thing with diversity inclusion. If you if you're forcing diversity inclusion down people's throats, no one's going to want to do it. Um, people are going to move away from it. And even if you had people on the fence, they're going to move to the other side because it's, it's too much. You have to take it slow and you have to do things that are different. Um, everybody's doing unconscious bias training. Everybody in the world is doing unconscious bias training. So it's just going to be another unconscious bias training course that people are not going to want to take. So you have to do something different. That's why I said we're looking at neuroscience now. We're looking at the brain and how that how that influences biases, because that's something that people weren't doing before. Um, so we just want to make sure that we keep it fresh. We keep it relevant um, and we take it nice and easy and slow. Uh, we, you don't have to. It's, it's, this is a train and it's not a car. You don't turn it. You can't turn it quick. It takes some time to turn it. So take your time in trying to turn it. Another thing is these mandatory trainings. I don't think DNI training should be mandatory. It's like when I was when I was playing football, I learned from one coach that you don't punish people by making them run laps. Because when it's time to run lap, when it's time to run, they're gonna see it as a punishment. And running is healthy and it's good for you, and it's not something that should be punitive. So DNI shouldn't be punitive. It shouldn't be a punishment for people to go through. It should be suggested that you take these. I, I, I agree with you there. It's, it's, it's interesting because I'm ex-military. And when I think, you know, 20 years ago, when I first heard of DNI, um, it was solely um, put out there in, in our 
world to for risk mitigate risk mitigation, and it was a legal it was a legal compliance um, process. Yes, and truly that check the box. Um, what I've heard from you today is is amazing. Just you know, really taking it beyond that. Um, and really trying to focus our efforts and our activities so that you mentioned they translate into measurable, meaningful action. And I do feel that you have given us in this conversation um, a number of actions in which we can already combat this narrative. So it's time for us to really, you know, engage with each other and and find ways in which we can all celebrate the differences um, in our individuals. So thank you for that. That was that was great. Sure. But we are, you know, in December and we are, are closing out the year. And I know you talked about 2021 for radar, which you said it's going beyond that first dimension. But what diversity, equity, and inclusion trends do you think we can expect in 2021? I, like I said, like the, the radar trend is kind of me piggybacking off what I see coming for organizations, right? I see organizations, they've done the unconscious bias, they've done the microaggression, they've done the DNI 101, DEI 101. What I think is going to start to happen is corporations are going to start to dig deeper into what can they do. Um, they're going to look at, like I said, they're going to start to look at the neuroscience. They're going to start at look. They're going to start to look at other dimensions of diversity, right? We have a dimension wheel that we pay attention to the three levels of diversity. We're going to start looking at social status. We're going to start looking at, um, like I said, we're going to start looking at disabilities. Now we're going to start looking at veterans and disabilities. We're going to start looking at women and disabilities. We're going to start doing some of the intersectionality. We're going to start combining African-Americans in suicide or women in suicide. So we're going to start to dig deeper. I think organizations have scratched the surface and uh, I think they're learning a lot and they're realizing that it truly contributes to employee engagement. Um, A truly diverse, equitable and inclusive workplace makes employees happy. Happy employees are productive. Um, Productive employees make money for organizations. So I think organizations are going to start to see the return on the investment and they're going to start to dig a little deeper to find out how can they help more. So I I, like I said, what I see for 2021 is a deeper dig into diversity inclusion and we kind of modeled radar after that. always you are a wealth of knowledge thanks for helping us get smart on DEI and for those of you whose ears perked up when he mentioned employee resource groups don't worry we will be airing more content from our interview with Mel in 2021 so we can dive deep on the impact of those 17 ERGs at Genwork also Richmond Sherm will be hosting a virtual book club event on white fragility Stay tuned for more information coming in January. Thanks for listening to the Richmond Sherm Voices podcast with your hosts, Tiffany Fortune and Gray Martin. If you like our show and want to know more, subscribe or check out the Richmond Sherm website at www.richmondsherm.org.